TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 393, and I'm Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Greg, TV enthusiast from St. Louis. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm a writer, actor, and media critic. All right, so let's start off with the news. Uh, first up, we have that Designing Women is getting a sequel, the one you've all been waiting for. What? <laughs> <laughs> Is that like Murphy Brown coming back? Is anyone really excited about that? Uh, not really. But the only thing about Designing Women that I'm actually happy about is I saw, I read an open letter by the creator of the show, and when I heard what happened to her, I was like, yes, give her another series. So I'm more excited that she got another series than Designing Women came back. Because basically, the whole Les Munez thing, she was a victim of that. Uh, oh, she, really? Yeah, oh. She, was like, she was like, not all harassment is sexual. And that was the name of her article. And basically, she got a uh, before Les Munoz took over CBS, she had just gotten a fifty million dollar uh, deal where she was obligated to keep shows on the air and keep making pilots and whatever. But when Les Munoz came on, he didn't like her feminist views. He didn't like a woman showrunner. He didn't like just the fact that she was a woman writing about women. And uh, so he made it his mission to keep her under contract, but to turn down every single pilot that she wrote. So she would so she had a show when he came on. She had a show that was already shooting a pilot. He made sure that that didn't go to series. And then every other pilot that she wrote, he would read it and say, it's an amazing pilot. Too bad we can't make it keep going he's like keep making another one and then he wouldn't give her any of the stars that they had under contract and then she went around him and got a star that was under contract and he fired that guy from a cbs contract to prevent him from being on her pilot like so for seven years he kept her off the air but under contract um and then she finally had to break her contract to get away so that she could actually try to make shows again um, and people were like, what happened to you? You just disappeared. And she was like, Les Munez happened to me. Mm. Um, and so right after now, so now she, she's got, uh, Designing Women, which was her first, ser- uh, big series hit is now going to be on ABC and not CBS. Okay. So wow. I have no necessarily any plans on watching Designing Women, <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> yay, she got, she got another show. Yes. So anyway. Uh, the next piece of news is that Aaron Paul has been cast in Westworld season three. Oh, oh and wow. I was like, I, exactly. I was like, I was already going to watch Westworld, but bonus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy about that. Uh, is, will he have hair or not? I don't know. The most seems current pictures only, of him, he has a buzz cut. So he seems to only be recognizable with a buzz cut. Yes. Well, I, I mean, when he first showed up on Breaking Bad, he had hair. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, Noah Emmerich from, oh, God, what is that show? Uh, The Russian show, the Russian spy show. Why am I blanking? The Americans? Yes, thank you. 
Uh, he played the FBI agent. Um, so it's him plus Topher Grace have been cast in Nat Geo's new show called Hot Zone. And it's going to be exploring the origin of the Ebola virus. It's a limited series. Mm-hmm. Um, Ber- Greg Berlanti and Howard Gordon have both landed cop dramas on Fox. I don't know. It's just like, okay. Oh, okay. Um, I like Howard Gordon. Berlanti, it's like his brand is so wide. I don't even know what it means anymore that it's a Berlanti show. Uh, Zachary Quinto has landed a starring role on an AMC uh, new horror show. And I can't say the name of the show because it looks like a chemical formula, but that's not a chemical formula. Well, sulfur, because there's no chemical that's A. It's N-O-S little four A two. And I'm like, okay, that's nitrogen oxide, sulfur, and what the heck is A? Uh, hmm. It was like, uh, well, anyway, so I'm not sure what that's called, but you just have to see it written. Um, Stannis Caddick, who was on um, Castle, the cop, she apparently has had a series that I didn't know anything about. But uh, the series is called Abstentia, and it's been renewed for season two on Amazon. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there was a season one? I was unaware. Um, but she, mm, I'm not a big fan of her. She was like the least thing about Castle for me. Um, but anyway, that's all the news. So let's move on with the shows. And first up, we're going to talk about The Last Ship. And when I say we, I mean Greg, because I am under a non-disclosure and cannot discuss The Last Ship. (laughs) The only thing I can say is the season is awesome. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> what did you think of the premiere? What did you think of the premiere? Oh, I thought it was—I thought it was great. I mean, I had been talking to you for a while that you know it seemed like we had to wait so long for um, this final season, and of course, you know, I was upset that it was being the final season. But you know, I was just kind of wondering what they were going to do uh, with this season because they already had. The, the actual virus, and then they cured the virus, and then, then that kind of went away. And then they had the red rust, which was killing all the crops, and so they kind of played that out last season, and they got that done. So I was like, how? Hmm, how are they going to come back with something that's that's going to, you know, have people tune in? And, uh, and now it's just, I mean, it's just, I mean, in one episode, they've, like, established who the new villain is. There's, like, intrigue. It's, like, as... Um, really as entertaining as like 24 with regards to all of the espionage and intrigue. And we've got a team um, that's in um, South America that was undercover. Um, and, and now they're going to, you know, cause they're like off the ship um, and they're going to try to see if they can get uh, some more information on uh, what's going on. Uh, then of course we have the, um, you know, the, um, the command, folks who are on the, the, I was like the command staff. You mean like yeah, the admiral? Yeah, he is an admiral. Yeah, the folks now. from the Nathan James, right? And you know, and everything starts out in the episode. You know, really happy is like, okay, you know, we've gotten rid of you know all these plagues and everything, and now we're going to rebuild our navy and our military, and everything's going to be great. And then like super mega attack, like cyber attack happens. Everybody, you know, a bunch of people get killed. There's actually um, a, a couple of folks just in the pilot. Uh, that we've seen over the past few years, they they get killed in the attack, and it's a uh, it's pretty um, 
um, it's pretty jarring, um, especially since you've been with these characters for such a long time. Um, but just as another note, um, I didn't actually watch the episode on Sunday. Um, I had it on my, my uh, DVR, and after spending an entire day um, you know, going to work and listening to the radio and having all these people talk about September 11th and you know, we've got uh, a young generation that doesn't remember September 11th and like the older folks like us who, who uh, witnessed it, everyone talking about September 11th and then watching uh, the episode of The Last Ship, which actually is a foreign attack um, on this new Navy. It was kind of, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough to, to actually watch the episode on that day, but in, extremely entertaining. And I, I, uh, for anyone who's tuning in, I highly recommend uh, uh, tuning into the last season. I would also highly recommend uh, tuning into the last season since, you know, I, I've seen the season. It's really good. It's probably one of the best seasons they've ever done uh, on an emotional level and on an action level. Um, I remember I actually teared up at a couple of points, and that's all I'm going to say. All right. Let's move on uh, before I get in trouble. Uh, next up, let's talk about Better Call Saul. And um, this episode was finally more about Jimmy because we've been seeing a lot of stuff about Mike and Jimmy's been kind of in the peripheral. So this one, we see that he's got some sort of scheme that involves him buying a lot of phones that he has to store and uh, and uh, what was great is when he went back to those kids that rolled him and he scared the crap out of them. Like, that was pretty good. I was like, if you can't scare a bunch of 15-year-olds, you should hang up your hat. That's a little, that was a little dark, though. I mean, Yeah, uh, but he didn't uh, actually, he literally didn't land a finger on them. Like, he just scared them. He didn't actually, it would be different if he beat them up or something, but he didn't. He hung them upside down, said, boo, are you scared? And they were like, yes, we're scared. And he was like, okay. And then he let them go. Well, he left them hanging to figure out how to get down themselves, but he let them go. Uh, so I thought that was pretty good. So now he's back up and running with his cell phone business where he's selling them on the streets instead of out of his store. Yes. Out of the, what is it, the uh, nail salon is what it was? Well, I don't think he's actually going to sell it out of the nail salon. That's where he's storing them. I think he's going to go back to selling them out of his car like he was doing before. Uh, so he's mobile, but yeah, he's just hustling and that's where he thrives. He loves hustling. Uh, what'd you think? Well, I really liked the other storyline that was going on with Kim because, um, I wasn't really sure why Kim got so choked up over Chuck's letter. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and we got a, we got to see like a flashback to when when Kim was just starting out, I guess as a paralegal right. uh, for um, uh, uh, Hamlin, Hamlin, Hamlin and McGill and McGill and um, and kind of like where she kind of meets uh, Jimmy and we see like well they've just, known each other for a while you can tell in their conversation they oh, didn't just meet that's true but you can kind of see the uh, just from you know um, as she she's kind of um, you know. Uh, uh, really idealizing uh, Chuck and right. and how and and how good of a lawyer he is and how he's able to you know win cases you know with the obscure precedent and 
and uh, how he really shaped probably uh, the reason why she went into law in the first place. And so that gives us a background as to why Kim um, seems dissatisfied with just dealing with um, Mesa Verde. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. And, yeah, and then we see, see her take her steps to kind of see if she can, you know, basically, and I think it's even said, have her cake and eat it too, where she joins a big uh, law firm so that they can kind of take care of the Mesa Verde stuff so that she can kind of get back to the criminal law which is well, where technically, she, she opened up a banking division, so in theory, yeah. she has to do banking law, which doesn't quite... But then that allows her some uh, uh, pro bono work, where she can do that stuff. Yeah, but but the, I think the hardest part of that whole thing was that... I know I get the indication that, you know, as she's watching Jimmy and how he's handling Chuck's death, um, I think she's kind of seeing that he's not handling it very well. Well, no, not at all. So I'm wondering if part of her decision to go with the law firm was so that she can distance herself because she she sees all the the scratching on the notepad and how. Well, and, and I, I don't think it's not that he's handling. Well, I think what it is is she realizes she's bigger than him. She's better than him. She's a better lawyer than him, and that he will drag her down. And when she sees him with all those drawings, I think she realizes in his mind, he still thinks that she's going to wait for her, for him, and that they're going to make this law firm firm together. And I think she realized she doesn't want to have a law firm with just the two of them. I don't think that's what she wants anymore. Yeah, I think she realized that. And I think that's why she, part of the reason why she made that decision. And, and, uh, and I think, and Chuck, and, and I'm sorry, and, um, um, and he was he was really waiting for that. You know, that was kind of like his, okay, you know, I'm on this probation now, but then after I get off this probation, you know, I'm going to go full steam ahead. And so that was a, a real big shocker for him that, um, that you know, she decided to make that decision. And so they, they and so I, I like the way they told the story. And then they had the one moment where he, you know, had to go back in the back of the restaurant and kind of deal with everything that's, that's happening. Oh, yeah, so, he was hyperventilating and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So his dream is uh, his dream of of partnering with her is uh, fading away, right? Um. So overall, I think that this was a very good episode. It really dealt with. You can see the beginning of the end of their relationship. Like this, this is going to be the thing that I think breaks them up. Is that she really realizes that he's bringing her down and and keeping her from reaching her potential. So all right. Uh, I don't think there was anything... Oh, the only thing that was with Mike is they, they moved those uh, workers into that big warehouse. And you already can tell that one of the guys is going to be a troublemaker. All right. And, um, and I was like, all right. My, I, I thought Mike was just like going to kill him right there. <laughs> to to yeah. be honest, when that dude was you know making all that noise, I was like, Mike's going to have to kill this dude. And Mike probably still is going to have to kill that guy. But yeah. he's giving him a chance. And I was like, nope, you're going to have to kill that dude. He's going to be the one that goes over the wall. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Castle Rock season finale. And Aaron, you haven't spoken yet. What did you think? Um, you know, I, I really liked it a lot. I had a few issues here and there, but I, I really did like it. Um, I enjoyed seeing both. Henry Devers uh, in the same timeline. So that was very interesting to me. Um, you know, uh, 
I'm just curious. I still feel like there's a few things that have not been explained yet. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like the end? The end was the, a little confusing. End, it was very... I don't know how I felt about the ending. Um, right. The, no, oh, here, well, I have a question for you as you, as you do this. At the yeah. very end, my only theory is that because they got near the uh, hole or whatever between universes, as they because they're in the woods, mm-hmm. I think that whoever is in the wrong universe ends up looking like a demon, which is mm-hmm. why in both universes they got locked up in a in a cell. Yes. Uh, so when the Henry Deaver from our universe looks at the other one and sees this demon face. Yeah. And he thinks that he's been spoken to by God to put him back in the, in the cell, which was like really kind of sad. I was like, Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) But I also think that the other Henry Deaver using his powers that he knew he had in this universe to create the chaos in the jail cell was terrible too, but go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, in particular with the ending, it, it left me just like, why? Um, I would think you would want to get rid of him to set things right. But um, I do agree with you. I mean, oh, my goodness, the jail scene. Um, I thought that that was just phenomenal. I think that's the best way to tell horror or to tell that kind of a story is where you hear what's going on. You you don't see as much as you hear. Um, right. And then in the aftermath, I thought it was brilliant the way that the camera just kind of, I, I think it came into like a, 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 a zoom, a slow zoom in on Bill Skarsgård as his eyes were shifting left and right and his lips were just like quivering. And we hear the carnage happening and you see Andre Holland in the corner, you know, whole, covering his ears as we just hear all of the bloodshed. I thought it was brilliant um, and it drew me in when they were navigating through the jail um, in the aftermath of it, once right. uh, Henry's got out. And we just see all of the bodies everywhere. But you still hear the murder spree continuing outside as whoever, you know, as everybody's right. on each other. So I thought that those moments were brilliant. The thing well, that, that I... Also, but, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just wondering, was there any point, especially after he did all that, that you wondered... Was he lying? Is he not the right Henry Deaver? Is he really the devil? Like because he used his powers very deliberately yes. to cause that, and that felt kind of evil, you know. It did, but it left me wondering: Is he evil, or was he really just trying to get back to his own time zone? Well, I think possibly out. both. Yeah, and so <laughs> and so that's the part that uh, you know. And see, then they I, I didn't feel like they properly explained the ability to hear because. I thought it was random, but now uh, Andre Holland's Henry's son can, can hear. Right. So that wasn't explained to me. Is it genetic, or you know, because if it was genetic, then Andre Holland's Henry shouldn't have it. So it it just left me uh, just with a lot of questions. Will I watch season two? I don't know if there is a season two, but will I watch it? Well, yes. season, it's supposed to be an anthology, so there is going to be a season two, but it's going to be a completely different story. Right. Right. Mm. So I mean, <laughs> you're not sure how you feel about that. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> because this one just left me with. I mean, I enjoyed the entire all ten episodes. I thought they were fantastic television, but um, it just left with a lot of questions. And I think the questions I have, I just wish they would have been answered, especially right. if it was. And an espe- oh, especially the the mom 
when oh, she's yeah. up on the bridge and she's like, we've had this conversation five what? times. And she's like, oh, this is the first time you said that. I'm like, wait, so yes. the Alzheimer's time travel, it's not Alzheimer's? Like, what? Right. Yeah. right. Exactly. So, yeah. But I loved it. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg, your thoughts? Oh, wow. I mean, just you guys talking about it. Yeah, because I kind of felt like, okay, it seems like we're we're at this, you know, climax of the story. And I thought that um, the, that Skarsgård was going to make his way back into his own universe. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be the, the ending. And then, you know, for us to see, like, the demon face and, and made me think the same thing. I'm like, so has he been lying this whole time? Was that whole story that we're here? Was that big? Was that a big lie in Justin's head? And he really is the devil. And then, you know, to lock him up at the end was like, oh, so did you guys just do that because you need a season two or? Yeah, not- but season two is not supposed to be this, this, this story at all. Yeah, so I didn't know that. So, okay, so the story ends with just him getting locked up in the cage, I guess. And it's, that's yeah. supposed to, and, and hopefully that's supposed to protect the town. Right, it's circular. But I think he would have protected the town as well if he had sent him through the portal. Right, right. That's what I think, too. Yeah, I'm like, just, dude, just send him through the portal and you're done. Yeah. Uh, now he's got to come and give him food every day. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, and it makes you wonder, right? Because we thought that maybe, you know, he was just an innocent bystander. Like, Skarsgård's character, Henry... He was like, you know, I had this happy life over in the other universe. Right. But then when he's like doing the stuff in the jail, you're like, okay, are you are, are you just somebody who wants to get back to his old life or are you really evil? Right. I don't know. They did not yeah. answer the question. <laughs> and, and showing him as a good person in his own universe, I think completely throws everything off because if he is evil then we didn't need that um well no and i think i but it also could be he wasn't evil until he spent decades in a locked up in a box i think that they they're also saying that that could have made him into Mm. a monster Mm. Mm. So, yeah, I know it's like what does this all mean I don't know but, uh, I still am going to have to say I would recommend this to other people to watch I mean yes. it ends on a uh, uh, but uh, you should definitely still watch it alright uh, next up we're going to we're going to talk about The Sinner and this episode was it was better but more confusing and mostly flashbacks and I'm kind of mad that they spent all this time establishing Marin, the mom, and where she's been and what her life's been like and how she, behind the scenes of everything we've been seeing, she's been there watching. And she finally took her opportunity to steal her son, to tell him who she is. And you get kind of a little bit invested in their relationship. And then it ends with her dead. I was like, what? <laughs> what? Why did we spend this whole episode and then you're just going to kill her? And they And they did the misdirect of having the kid interested in the gun. And I was like, he didn't shoot his mom. Like, I don't believe that at all. You don't believe that? No. It was uh, because they showed that the other woman that's been his mom was like, oh, I know where they're going. They're going to this cabin. So we know that they're on their way as well. So I think it was a complete misdirect to make you think that he shot his mom. Yeah, what's her name, Vera? Is her name Vera? Yeah, Vera. Yeah, so you think Vera shot Moran? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. 
100%. Oh, well, I was like, oh, well, I mean, he, he poisoned two people. I figured he was just... Well, he poisoned them because he thought they were kidnapping him, which they were, yeah. and he poisoned <laughs> them to protect himself because he's like, okay, these people are kidnapping me, and they're taking yeah, me well, away from my mom, so I kill them. It's like, that makes well, yeah. sense. Now he's got this strange woman saying, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm, re- I'm your real mother. But I, I think he believes her. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is those the other two people didn't tell him what they were doing, didn't tell him why they were doing it. He just thought they were kidnapping him, and so he's defending himself. This woman very clearly goes, I'm your mom. This is the song I sang, sang to you when you were a baby. And he's like, oh, I know that song. So he believes her. I don't know. I mean, even when she was singing that song in the woods, he was not getting close to her. I mean, she even yeah, had... Yeah, but then he had the scene on the bus where he like totally puts his head on her shoulder. Well, yeah, but then he freaks out. and then Yeah, but the freak out is that he killed people that were innocent. That was his freak out. He was like, oh my God, they were trying to bring me to you and I killed them. That was his freak out. If he thought he was justified in killing them, he wouldn't have freaked out. So I do not believe he shot her at all. No, nope, he killed her. I'm, I'm going to kill her. He's a psychopath now. No way, there's no way to come back from it. No, it's Vera. Vera is 100% the one that did it. We shall find out next week which one of us is right and which one of us is dead. Oh, wait. No, but Vera doesn't, you know, Vera doesn't kill with violence, right? Because even... She totally, no, she totally killed the other guy with the poison. She totally poisoned him. Yes, yes. And just like Game of Thrones says, uh, poison is a woman's weapon. Yeah, okay, so the boy poisoned two other people, too. So they both have equally poisoned. So either one of them are equally yeah. capable of using the gun, is what I'm saying. Well, she, yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't know if she's a gun killer person. They said that, I think, to, I think that if she is, if they're struggling for the gun, or if she thinks that that's the only way she's going to get the kid she thinks it's her son back, she absolutely would shoot her. Hmm. Um, so I don't know oh. why you think the kid is more capable of shooting shooting his own mother than the woman who wants something from her. Well, because he's the one having the weird, freaky, nightmarish dreams. and But they freak- weren't freaky, nightmare dreams. It was his mom hanging out, looking at him. And he just found out that he's not crazy with those dreams, that they were real. So that actually should make him feel better, not worse. Well, yeah, but he's dreaming that like there's someone in a, in a hooded cloak like approaches him and like sticks their hand in his chest. Yeah, it was his mom with a hoodie on sticking her hand on his chest. And I don't he, know. Okay, we'll see. You're totally wrong. You need to watch I more vote, television. I vote, <laughs> I vote child psychopath. <laughs> if you had watched season one, you would know that that's not how the show works. Whoever the main cop is... Whoever he's siding with, you end up finding out that they're extenuating circumstances of why they killed the person. They end up with a reduced sentence. Okay. That's how that's how the show works. So the sinners actually, and also that woman, the Vera is totally evil. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, man. Oh, Aaron, have you watched the show? Do you, you you're agreeing? I didn't see this episode, but I've always felt that about Vera. Yes, Vera is absolutely evil. She's an evil, evil person. And uh, she out that way as we see from the flashbacks but we see how she's progressively through all the things that she's been through has we become, see how yeah. to where she is now and I think there's nothing she wouldn't do to, to get keep... her son back yeah. yeah I agree all right uh next up we're going to talk about killjoys 
And I want to know from Aaron, with your partial watching of the episode, <laughs> we're laughing because he told us he told us ahead of time that he fell asleep twice watching the show. So, well, what, what did you actually see? Well, I fell asleep because of my quill, so I was completely in and out, so I'm lost. Uh, but uh, what little bits that I saw, I I I, I did um, enjoy. Um, I liked. You, you know, <laughs> okay. Remember when they were trying to um, uh, they were trying to uh, get through uh, back to the planet, and the guy says, "Hey, this is my guy." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm your guy." And then and then the, the his ship explodes. Oh my god, that that surprised the crap out of me. I actually I, I, gasped out loud. I was not prepared for that. Yes, and I thought just seeing everybody's reaction was like absolute. They were stunned. I thought that I was like, oh, I was like, oh, wow. But then it went to commercial and I went out. So, uh, <laughs> my cool man, <laughs> should have put you down. So, um, and then I woke up later um, and, uh, and I saw Dutch and, um, you know, and I saw that they were kind of, you know, analyzing that her, um, her tattoos or her scarring is actually internal. And, I, and really getting very intrigued. Um, and then I came back at the end <laughs> where I see Dutch has switched places. Um, and so now... Now that the, she's Anila. Yes, Anila. And Anila is now with, with John and Dav. And I was like, holy cow, what is about to go down? So um, I should be off NyQuil by next episode. <laughs> so you basically <laughs> got snapshots of this episode. That's hilarious. Uh, Greg, what did you Just, think? Just whatever you do, don't tweet while you're on Nightcall. Oh, exactly. oh yes. Don't call Roseanne, no. <laughs> what, what did you think, Greg? No, no. Yeah, as I mentioned before, you know, in our earlier conversation, I just, I'd stop watching. What? Uh, because, no, yeah. you said you stopped oh. watching Fear. You didn't say you stopped watching Killjoys. Oh, I stopped watching Killjoys, too. I just... Um, you I'm are so, lame. I'm just going to say no, that I've said really on the loud. I've said on the past two podcasts that... I just, uh, you know, I actually thought that um, that Angry Johnny was actually pretty interesting. And mm-hmm. then within like one episode, they like switched him back to normal Johnny. And I've always said that, you know, it's like they kind of took away, you know, his his reason for being there because they introduced another character who was like, oh, the, she just left the, the techno she's, she's gone. the ship person. Greg, Greg, she's gone. She's gone. Okay, well, she's gone. Okay, so that might make it more interesting. Um, uh, But yeah, I just I just stopped because uh, it's it seemed uh, the story is just tedious. Mm. You've been saying that about two different shows. You need to uh, have a little patience because all the things that you had complained about with Killjoys, they literally fixed it in this episode. Yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so, so you well, have to you you need to have a little patience. But so well, so what happened was they had they had Weej guy get killed which broke my heart um he uh there he was like i'm your guy mm-hmm. and i was like but they set him up to be awesome for like five yeah. episodes and then they just blew him up and my jaw was on the ground <laughs> um and then you had uh, oh what's the, what's the guy that said you're my guy i forgot his name um he's the head of the rack that dude he was just so crushed so crushed that his guy was dead like and then he just got kept getting whammied all episode and i like that they finally went in rescued the kids that was cool um and i liked his art his fight with um 
Dutch at the beginning where he was like, we can't have two commanders and you've been gone for so long, you can't assume command again. And when she was there about to assume command before, she always, she turned it down to do her own personal thing. So he was like, we don't have time for this. We, we need one voice and I'm it. Um, and they still let her do her mission. Uh, and then what was really cool was you're trying to interpret what all the branding and what the labels mean and they're going through all this and then they they get to the point where they've broken through uh and you know Pip the guy with the spider in his head yes. he yeah. they they were like well somebody has to stay on board to put in the self destruct yeah, and that. I like that every single person on the team volunteered to do it mm-hmm. you know um and I thought that that was actually pretty cool. But Pip was like, look, I've got a ticking time bomb of a spider in my head. I'm going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'd rather go out saving everyone than on like a lab table or whatever. So I thought that was really, that was a really good heroic moment for him. But then Zephyr blamed Dutch for not saving yeah. him, which I don't think was fair. <laughs> Right, but I get her point in that Dutch has never particularly liked Pip, so she didn't fight him that hard when he decided to sacrifice himself. I feel like because because Dav when Dav was like I'll do it, her and Dav got into a fight about it, and when Pip said I'll do it, everybody was like, all right, <laughs> like nobody really fought him. Um, and I mean, I'm glad if I had to pick between everybody who was there and Pip, I would have picked Pip as well. Yeah. So I, I thought that that was a good heroic way. And then Zephyr was like, I've lost my confidence in you because you let Pip die. You didn't bring him back. And first of all, it was Pip's choice to go. It was Pip's choice to sacrifice himself. None of those things had to do with, with Dutch at all. But because of that, Zephyr's like, I can't work with you anymore. I can't look at you anymore. And so she leaves. Um, so now we're back down to Team Awesomeness Force, by the way, which was the name of the episode, which I thought was great. Uh, and then we switch yeah. up. We switch at the very end. Um, Dutch figures out how to switch places with Anila. And mm-hmm. her logic is that Anila knows how to kill the lady. So yes. we need Anila's knowledge out here and not inside the green. So she swaps places. But the problem with Anila, which she's forgetting, is Anila's freaking crazy. Yeah. That is a crazy, crazy woman. And <laughs> uh, having her in charge of Team Awesomeness Force, as we like to call them, is going to be very, very interesting. They, they're going to need Delsea because yeah. at least Delsea can kind of temper her. Um, but yeah, now we're in a whole new realm. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, though I don't like being without Dutch. Like, that bothers me. But I am curious to see how it... Because we've never really seen Anila, like, on Lucy and, like, with the guys mm-hmm. and all of that. So, that I'm curious about. So, thumbs up yeah. for me. I thought this was a good episode. Okay. And so they, they and so they still have a direction, right? Because, oh, yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're still all about trying to kill the lady. Yeah, because yeah. they had these episodes where there were, like, these children and everything. And I was just like, what's going on? I just don't. No. Well, obviously the the kids they were stealing the kids for a reason, but we didn't find out what the reason was, and I'm sure we will find. They've rescued the kids, so the kids aren't yeah. an issue anymore. Um, but we right. will find out what that was about. I'm sure. Uh, so yeah, dude, have a little patience. 
<laughs> stop, stop quitting shows, man. It's worth watching. Really. Uh, if right. I can binge it. Yes, yes. How about that? Go ahead and binge it. All right. <laughs> next up, uh, we're going to talk about the first, which is a new show on Hulu, uh, starring Sean Penn, who, as me and Greg were talking off podcast, has gotten super cut, but yeah. he still looks old. It's weird. He's he's like completely just chiseled like you can see every muscle he has but his skin is like saggy and just it's like old man he has like old man skin over a super cut body it's really bizarre looking and i was like i don't know how i feel about that i was like sean penn is shredded but he looks barbecued like he just went out and just got completely baked by the sun. Well, and like, he, he insists that. on having all these shirtless scenes on top of it. I'm like, and I understand why he does because he totally got in shape for this role because yeah. he's supposed to be an astronaut. And so they, and they show all the astronaut training and all that stuff. So he has to be fit. So yeah, I, I could under- do like the, yeah, the underwater swimming with the weights. Right. Yeah, that like, all that stuff was, that was like pretty hardcore. But he still looks like he's fifty-five. Like it's yeah. it's really weird to look at. But besides Sean Penn's body, let's talk about the show. Uh, the I thought the first episode was a very good introduction to that world. What's going on? However, because Sean Penn wasn't on that shuttle, I was like, and they're all gonna die, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly I'm like telegraph been the whole first part of the show like focusing on sean penn who is apparently an astronaut but isn't on the actual spacecraft that's taken off and so i'm like watching and i'm like wait a minute it's like did they just leave you know i, I expected you know some build-up you know when they were leaving like you know you know like station one check station two check we're a go where there was none of that dialogue, they were just sitting there. The guy had a little speech, and we're like, "Okay, we're going to take off now." And I'm like, "They're dead." <laughs> <laughs> they didn't waste the dialogue. These folks are going to die. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm curious about, they did a good job of making me super curious about why the woman took him off the team, and there's no explanation, as far as I can no. tell. She never told him why she took him off the yeah, team. No. Yeah, I don't understand either. Yeah, and so I want to know what that's about. Uh, how many episodes did you see, by the way? Well, I watched two. I've uh, seen one. You seen one? Okay, Aaron, you go. You go before we talk about the second episode. What did you think of the first one? Well, you know, I, I for most of it, I really dug it. I thought the, the just the cinematography I thought was just beautiful. Um, I felt like I was watching a movie the way that they shot it. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, a lot of dialogue, I thought it was, uh, you know, simple dialogue, but it, it, and really slow um, burn character development. So I like that. Um, I, 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 I knew that the, the, that the uh, rocket was going to explode. I knew it only because Sean Penn was working Not on the rocket. <laughs> so I was like, OK, you just told me this. But here here was, you know, I, and I thought it was really brilliantly acted. Um, but my issue um, that I had with it is um, these astronauts, I, just for me, um, I felt like we spent so much time um, until the actual accident happened. I don't know who these astronauts are. I got little bits and pieces and I thought that they were interesting. And, and I like that we see who they are through the eyes of others. But I just I, I just just for me, um, I just feel like we should just got to the accident and moved on a little bit faster. Right, uh, especially if you weren't going to attach yourself to these guys, right? 
Exactly. And so well, especially because, like you said, they telegraphed it. Like you knew that shuttle was good. because he wasn't on it. You knew that they were going to die. So it's like let's let's get to that already. Yes, and and that's the part that that I was like, ah oh, man, you know that 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 took me out a little bit because I'm like, okay, who are these people? I see that their families are rightfully angry. I thought it was well acted, well shot, well cut together, all of that. But we spent too much time on people that we're not going to see anymore. I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of flashbacks throughout the season to find out who they are. But now we're going to have to assemble a whole new team and get yeah, to and know. I, and, and I don't think we're going to see as many flashbacks as you're thinking. I think mm-hmm. it's more because the second episode starts mm-hmm. off with 23 months to the next launch window. Oh, so okay. it's all build up to when they can launch the next shuttle. And building the next team and all of that. So it's all about moving forward and not really looking back that much. I there see. is a little bit in the second episode because they have to do uh, uh, Congress, congressional hearings to explain why the shuttle blew up. Yeah. And they have to justify getting money to, to do another round. So the second episode is a lot about that. Mm-hmm. But it's also more focused on... Okay, who's going to be the next team leader? How the team, you know, and they and you, they tell you they've already have a team assembled that okay. that's been training as the backup team, and uh, so now they have to fully prepare these guys to really go. And uh, what was cool or deceptive? There's that moment, Greg. You know, in the second episode when they're on the plane and. Uh, Sean Penn is the one that got basically put them over to where they got the Congress approval and stuff. And he did all a lot of the groundwork because she was coming at it at the wrong angle and he figured out how to make it happen. And she was like, Oh, I was totally wrong. You should be the team commander again. And he just looked at her like, what? Like, come on. And then she was like, I never should have taken you off. And I can tell you all the reasons why I did. He was like, stop. Like, I I don't, I don't need that. Go ahead. Well, do you get any indication that maybe those two have a relationship that or used to have a relationship and that could play into as to why she made her decision? Well, Um, I'm not sure because he's got all this grief about his wife. So I really feel that he might have been dealing with his wife's death and that might have been why she and maybe she likes him, but I don't get the vibe that he likes her. If that makes sense. Well, it just seemed like, you know, in their dialogue, he seems extremely antagonistic towards her. I mean, well, she kicked him off the team without telling him why. So yeah, I understood that's... that. Like, I got why he was so angry at her. Uh, because it was his team that he trained for years. And then, as far as I can tell, like a couple months before the mission's supposed to go, she takes him off the team uh, with no explanation. So I understood why he was so angry. Um, but if there was any feeling, she's really awkward around him. Mm-hmm. So, but he's obviously grieving his wife. Like they have the flashbacks with his wife, how she died, you know, her dying and the flashbacks with him. And then he, he has a lock on the door into her space. So he doesn't accidentally go into her space. So, you know, I didn't get the feeling that he's chasing after any other women. It was very much about him grieving his wife. Right. So, yeah. That might happen in the future. That has potential. Like, if you're saying that you see vibes for them, maybe forward, but I don't think it happened before. Okay. 
Well, and I, I was also kind of wondering about the, you know, why they were telling us the storyline of the daughter uh-huh. and how she shows back up um, seemingly because, you know, she's seen what has happened on television with her dad's team. And so she comes back. But then I guess they're telling the story that she's on she's on drugs. And but then, you know, but we only get a little bit of that. And then in the next episode, because we're forward in time, um, she's completely clean. And so I was just kind of wondering what the the purpose was. I, I think of, I think showing we, that I think very clearly what they're trying to say is because he's given a choice at the end of the episode of joining the astronaut program, getting back in or staying home with his daughter. And I think that what they're showing is that his, cause his, remember the one night he stayed out of town, his daughter was like, I can't stay at home. I have to be with other people. And she stays at a friend's house right. because she does need him. Um, she absolutely needs him. He's part of her support system to stay sober. And I think if he leaves to go to training, he's jeopardizing his daughter's sobriety and he keeps claiming that his daughter is his highest priority, but we also know he's got that bug. Like, he needs right. to be out in space. And I think that what they're going to show is the balance between him trying to train and get ready to go into space. He's going to realize that it's gonna, it, it, it's almost a choice of him taking care of his daughter or doing this. And he's trying to do both. And I don't know, I don't think it's necessarily possible. Right. I think that's where they're going. I mean, you kind of think that she's on the mend, right? Because if she can go back and... Yeah, but I mean, people relapse, people relapse all the time. And she talks, even when she wasn't on drugs, there was that morning where she couldn't get out of bed, which is why she was probably doing the drugs in the first place. Like, she gets hit with this depression to where she can't get out of bed and can't go into work. And she wasn't on drugs at the time. She was just really, really sad. Um, and her dad is the one that helped her get out of bed. So I think that that's what they're setting up, my personal oh. opinion. But I think they're doing a good job. Like I think that their only thing is I see I saw a review that it takes them a long time to get into space. They're like it's more oh. episodes than you would want before they actually take off in the next shuttle yeah it's, it's, and, and, it's more build up yeah and that's how kind of what i was looking for I, actually after i finished episode two i kind of like looked at some of the episode synopsis you know and i'm like oh yeah yeah this is gonna take a while yeah <laughs> like, well i mean i think i think it's not the show is a misnomer kind of like a misnomer the show is not really about them getting into space and and getting to mars the show is about what it takes the sacrifice it takes for the astronauts to train and what it sacrifices their families. And I think it's really that what we're looking at. We're really looking at what it does to the families more than actually getting into space. And Sean yes. Penn's doing such a good job. Like I'm, I'm willing to watch him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I really like, and I, and I hope I'm not going to butcher her last name, but uh, Natasha, McElroy. Is, is she the boss? Is she the head of the yeah. program? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. I just think she's either uh, she's either a really great actress or her character is well written or both. Because I mean, she you know she kind of carries the story. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get you get these Sean Penn you know moments, and he's kind of separate from the action. But just seeing her 
and how she's dealing with, you know, everything that's just happened and, and how she's um, able to, you know, and I, I like the fact that after the whole disaster happens and she, and she comes back and she's like, she's, she's business and she's like, she's trying to be supportive to, you well, know, her teams. But and, she doesn't know how to be. Well, but, but she's not, at least her character isn't like, immediately trying to you know cover her ass or anything like that you know like oh we need to do this and we need to do that so that we don't get sued and that sort of thing she's going around and she's being supportive for her team like the one guy well, yeah who, yeah she, she was I, like, I, yeah go ahead one guy who was talking about how is like i went through you know thousands of simulations and i don't know how this could have happened and everything and she's just like you know she put her entire self aside she's she just told him she said uh she said this is not on you yeah. what need for me and i just thought that was just fantastic but i but i also like in contrast she couldn't face the families right she was trying to avoid them at all costs yes so you have that moment where she was supportive but at the same time she didn't have the emotional kind of capacity to under to figure out and, and when he when Sean Penn called her a coward that was 100 percent correct yes. she didn't want to face them you know so, yeah. yeah, I thought that was great. And, you know, I also love the moment because I, I thought this was so telling of who she is. She's a great actress. I, I loved her on, on Designated Survivor. She was my favorite part of Designated Survivor until uh, she was killed off. But, uh, oh, spoiler. She was the, oh, 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 that, that already happened, like, last season. <laughs> but, spoiler for the people um, who haven't watched, but go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, spoiler, people. Sorry. But anyway. No, no, no. You don't have to apologize. Right? We're messing with you. <laughs> but I love the moment where she was telling her smart car to drive at full speed, but oh, yeah. that it has automatic braking and it won't run her over. But so I felt like there was that side that she wanted to take her own life, but she know but she knew it wouldn't happen. So I like seeing her play Russian roulette with her car, but knowing that it probably would not kill her, you know what I mean, because right. of the technology. But I thought that that was such a great scene because I said, I'm getting, I'm seeing the inside of her head. She's tormented. And right. so I feel like she's, I, I think she's a great actress. And I think she's great in this role. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I thought, I thought she hit a lot of notes that were all very interesting. All right, well, let's move on. I think we're saying thumbs up for the yeah. most part yeah. so far. All right, next up. Watching. Go ahead. I'll keep watching, um, even though it's going to take a while to get space. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I know that ahead of time. Right. So I'm not yes. going to be yes. waiting on it. No All right, <laughs> uh, next up, we're going to talk about Iron Fist. And when I say we, I mean uh, Aaron. So tell us as quickly as possible, okay. uh, should we continue to watch Iron Fist was the payoff good? Um. Okay. Uh. Yes and no. I will say <laughs> first. I'll say it was way miles, leaps, and bounds above season one, which oh, wow. I barely okay. take. Um. I. I. It, it took me like like months to get through all of the episodes of season one. Season two, I binge watched in a couple of days. Um. And so, uh, here's what's better. I'll tell you what's better. Um. Danny was a little bit better this season, but I just I think he's just too milk toast. We got in. We started to see some great interest in the beginning. Um. I mean, and and by the way, the fighting was phenomenal this season. Um. Because they have a new fight choreographer, so the fighting was extraordinary. 
Um, and even the use of the Iron Fist effects was great. So we started to see a change in Danny, which I was hoping would play out, where we started to see him, I, I, he started loving to use his Iron Fist more and more and more. So I'm like, great. So I'm like, we're going to see power drunk Danny this season. And we started to get that build up. And then he went back to milk toast Danny and didn't want to use it. I was like, okay, you, you guys are pulling me out here. Um, so it's like you, you're moving forward, like, yes, yes, we're getting there, we're getting there. And it's like, oh. You know what I mean? There was a lot of that for me throughout the season. Um, the villain, the, the antagonist Davos, this was the best part of the season. I can't remember which episode it was, but we got inside his head. We got to see why he is who he is, why he went crazy. Because in Kunlun, he had to battle with Danny, and Danny beat him and then got to go, you know, get the Iron Fist from the dragon. And because Davos lost, he was raised his entire life for that moment. Danny was, you know, he, a plane crash wound up there and was raised as a monk. So Davos was trained his entire life and then he lost a fight. His mother turned against him saying that he's the disappointment of her life. And we oh saw a, a great acted scene and a great shot scene and a great emotional scene where Davos is telling his mother, I'm, I'm going to go find Danny and bring him back so he can save Kun Lun. But it's on, you know, uh, we've seen two sides of a door and he's crying and he's telling his mother, I'm sorry that I failed you and, and I'm going to bring him back. I'm going to make everything right. And his mother, who was cold as ice, we, so we got to see her break down on the other side of the door, but she couldn't give her emotion to her son that she actually did love him. And so I got to see why Davos was the way he was. He wasn't just evil to be evil. He didn't just want the Iron Fist so that he could have power, which is the way it kind of seemed in the beginning. He wanted it because he felt like that was his birthright that was robbed. But then because of all the emotional struggle that he went through in his life, he kind of snapped. And so I thought that that was great. So Davos was a great um, antagonist um, in this season. Um, but still, we didn't get enough Kunlun. We were only inside the monastery, inside the temple, but we never got to see the world. So we don't know what Kunlun looks like again, um, but at least we got something out of it. Um, and uh, as always, the Daughters of the Dragon, or hopefully to be Daughters of the Dragon, um, Colleen Wing and Misty Knight were, to me, uh, the greatest parts of this season. Um, Misty Knight, Simone Missick is awesome in this role and as a misty knight fan from the comic books she's hitting the nail on the head every single time with tone with who misty knight is so for me i'm loving every scene that misty knight is in i'm i'm loving and every scene that colleen wing is in i'm loving and now in the end um a little bit of a spoiler alert, but i think it's okay um danny realizes well you know what i shouldn't have the fist and he gives it to colleen he allows colleen to get it and that was fine, um, because in the comic book, she did get the fist. I don't remember exactly um, how the story panned out, but she did get the fist in the comic books because he felt like he wasn't worthy of it. And so I'm fine with that, but I would have preferred that he we see him go all full out crazy cuckoo with power and then decide I shouldn't have the fist, as opposed to the way that they told the story. Um, now, Alice Eve, who I love Alice Eve, I love everything that she's in, um, she played Mary or Mary Walker, um, who was a, 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 a she was a Marine uh, who got captured. Uh, so she was a prisoner of war. Um, and that's where all these uh, disassociative, I think it's called personality started coming into play. Now, I thought that was great because she had no memories. And um, one of her altars completely decimated all of her 
um, captors, which I thought was awesome. And she had no memory of what happened. Great. Her acting, phenomenal. But I feel like we had too many alters in this storyline. So God, I, I think if we would just focus on who she's going to become, which is Typhoid Mary, um, I, I would prefer we just have the Mary who is very sweet, subtle, very feminine, very, you know, can't hurt a fly. And then that other side, as opposed to having too many alters with the same kind of temperament. Okay. So, so I had some issues with that. Um, and then we spent, you know, a lot of time with Danny's um, kind of uh, adoptive, so to speak, um, brother and sister, Ward and Joy. Um, we see Joy's villainy um, and we understand that she's hurt, but I didn't feel like that was enough justification to do the evil that she did in the show. I right. understand. Which is but, why, which was my complaint at the pilot. Like, yeah. Her reasoning for why she was going to screw them over was dumb. I was like, really? You're mad that you're, they kept a secret from you, so you're yes. going to destroy them? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Made no sense. And it didn't play out well. Because I already knew, I knew that she was going to turn around and try and help Danny in the end. I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. Davos is going to beat Danny. Joy's going to help Danny. Danny's going to beat Davos. I already knew that was coming. So... Um, I, I felt like that storyline, it, it didn't uh, pan out. We didn't get the payoff. So for me, season two is worth watching because if you saw season one, you need to have something that can completely erase that from memory. So, <laughs> well, I stopped watching season one at episode six, so I don't have that much to erase. I don't know oh. if it's worth. The, I don't know if it's worth the pain. Right, right. But this, but I have to admit, this one was much better. But still. He, he's not, I like Finn Jones as an actor. I like him a lot. I like he's all not, the- Yeah, but he's weak. But he's, he's not, not weak, yeah. Not capturing who Danny Rand is. This is right. Iron This is a man who's disciplined, a monk. He's a fighter. He's strong. He's powerful. I'm not getting that. Exactly. So, um, but he's it's- He's so what, miscast, and I don't know what they can do other than just cancel it and just let that go. Yeah, which they're not. Um, <laughs> I don't, at least I don't think they will, because there's so many crossovers. Um, you well, know. I think they should just not make any more Iron Fist shows. They can still bring him in for the. He's fine when they cross him over and he's not yeah. the star. Yeah. I don't yes. mind him, but yes. I don't think they need. They can, like you said, go to the Daughters of the Dragon or whatever and switch it up to a different show, and he's not the star. And I think you're fine, but yes. he just can't carry a show. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move mm-hmm. on. Next up, we're going to talk about Ozarks. Ozark. Uh, I finished the show, finally. <laughs> and Greg could now rejoice because he had to keep his mouth shut. I, I think we only wa- we talked about like the first like four episodes last time. Um, so we can talk about the whole show, the whole series uh, as the full season. Um, I think we talked about last time that they did such a really good job with the kids and everybody and the side characters and they really fully developed them. The only thing I will say is I couldn't determine if the daughter who was trying to get emancipated, if she was smart to try to just get out of there because they were all going to die or she was really stupid, um, because she doesn't have any common sense and I had no confidence in her ability to get a job and pay for her own rent like you know they gave her five thousand dollars and she blew it in like five seconds well i had no confidence that she was going to be able to keep her mouth shut i mean so even if she had gotten emancipated and she went on and 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 went with her you know her ozark boyfriend who was going to go to mizzou um i i I don't think she could have kept her mouth shut and i think she would have ended up 
you know, no matter where she went or who she was with, she would have ended up dead. Because she would have talked too much, yeah. 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 I agree. She she gave away secrets left and right just to her boyfriend. Yeah, but then you got the son, on the other hand, who's, like, laundering money. <laughs> like, however old he is. Um, he's, he's, like, already, like, he's supposed to be, like, 13, I think, and he's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. he's, like, laundering money. He's got offshore bank accounts. He's, like, you know, <laughs> got everything going and... and yeah. uh you know, to the to the horror of the parents, by the way, because they're like they're trying to protect their, you know, keep their kids out of it, and their kids are like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to do what dad does for a living." Right, and it, that was actually pretty awesome. I like that kid a lot. Um, and then you have uh, the wife, Wendy. Um, there's a slow transition this season from Marty being in charge of the operation to Wendy being in charge of the operation. Cause there's somewhere in the middle of the season, they're equals or at the beginning. No, at the beginning of the season, they're equals. They're both making decisions together. They're talking through their plans. They're doing all this stuff. But then as the season goes on, Wendy starts taking control of what's happening as far as the negotiations go, because she's better at it than he is. And then once you get politics in it, he doesn't know how to deal with politics, and she does. And then he kind of has his breakdown after uh, he kills... Um, I forgot that dude's name. Oh, yeah. Kills, the preacher. Like, the preacher. After he kills the preacher, he has this breakdown where he can't function at all. And Wendy just is like, that's okay, I got this. And, uh, yeah, so by the end of the season... She's in charge, and he's second. Um, and he doesn't know how to deal with that. And he yeah, it's like, and there's this moment where he's like, "When did this happen?" <laughs> yeah, and you, you can kind of see it happening because you know you've got the um, the the mob lawyer um, woman who right. talking to Wendy and, and said, "Wow, you guys have, have done a really great job, and we're and we're particularly impressed with you. And you're going to have to figure out what you want out of this." When really she had been kind of thinking, you know, she was in kind of this role to support Marty and do whatever needs to be done to protect Marty and her family. And you just slowly start to see in in her thinking that, wait a minute, well, I can do more than just protect my family. I can, you know, for all the sacrifices that I've made, I should be getting something out of it. There's that, too. But I also think, I mean, they're right. She is smarter than Marty. I mean, from a big picture kind of situation marty is always justifying to himself that he's not a criminal not really he's just launders their money but that doesn't make him part of the game and he's lying to himself and that's kind of to his detriment i think um but and to be honest you can get guys who cook your books they're easier to come by than somebody who can maneuver the politics uh, so that's why I think the cartel woman was like, you're more valuable because they can always get another money guy. Um, so to a certain degree, they're, they're right. But yeah, and Marty kind of lost his focus. He went from being singularly focused and not paying attention to all the noise to all he hears is noise. So, yeah. Any other thoughts? Because we had well, a whole baby fight already. Well, yeah, Wendy, and, and Wendy went, you know, Wendy just, I don't know, I, I don't know what the trigger was for her, but, you know, when she decides to go directly to the mob and say, okay, we've got a problem, and even the, the mob lady was like, okay, once you tell me this, 
you can't untell me this. Right. Uh, which was, you know, um, um, which was uh, the... Ruth's father. Ruth's well, I mean, father. she's got a point because, yes, today that guy took half a million dollars and tomorrow he's going to come back asking for another million dollars. Right. He's an idiot. Like, he's not the kind of guy that that blackmails the mob and disappears and you never hear from him again. He's the kind of guy that's going to blow through that money and then be like, well, I can always just get more. Right. And so she, I think she made the right call. Like the only thing is that she should have talked to Ruth before. Oh, actually what she should have done was had them kill him and made him disappear because then Ruth would have just thought he was just gone in the world and, didn't know where he was and you wouldn't right. have had a Ruth problem, but now you're going to have a Ruth problem. So, yeah. Now, now, you know, we were discussing, you know, um, outside of the podcast, there was just something you couldn't, I didn't have as much of a problem with it because I kind of understood what was going on, but you had a ah, very, you're saying that I didn't understand what was going on. I understood what was going on. Well, I mean, we understood what was going on, but you had a very visceral reaction to them giving, um, the Not snap. Them. It was it was Marty. Marty, Marty, without discussing it with anyone, made it a unilateral decision to give this baby over to a crazy woman. Yes, I had a problem with that, and because I felt he won, he put through the paperwork to foster the kid. Also, he killed the kid's dad, so I thought that he had a certain responsibility to that kid, and he knew not to talk to his wife about it because he knew that he what he was doing was wrong and his wife would fight him on it. And you're saying that was his only choice, but I totally disagree. I mean, he didn't even stop and consider any choices. He didn't pause. He didn't think. He didn't do anything. He just had a gut reaction of, oh my God, if I give her the baby, this all goes away. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been he's been running on fumes for like the longest time. I mean, he's basically just reeling from one thing to another, and he's getting number and number and number as as he goes. And right. so finally, he's just at a point where he's like, "I have just got to get through this dedication ceremony for this casino, and then me and my family are out of here." And he knows that you know he can't just take the baby um with him yeah when, but there's also there's uh, there's other things you can do with a vulnerable kid that you're responsible for than give it to a crazy woman well i guess he could have like left left the kid on somebody's doorstep but that was really to shut her up i mean he had to i understand you know, but that's not that's not a solution to, yeah he had to get her cooperation I, he didn't need her cooperation anymore they already had all the licensing the casino was done he didn't need her for the casino anymore at all well, they well, already, yeah. they already I, said that she could be dead and this would still go through. Well, yeah, but I'm kind of, you know, it's been a couple weeks or several weeks since I watched it. But wasn't it like she went to go visit Wendy and she told Wendy that she wanted the baby? And Wendy said and, no. And and didn't she say, you know, she was going to make it very tough for them or something like that? You know, she was going to sue or she, she's, she had to have said something that she was going to be a blocker in them trying to get the casino Right, um, she she basically well, said that even, but the problem was she didn't have a leg to stand on. They already had the documentation that proved that she couldn't do any. The only thing she said she was going to do was she was going to put some of her workers in the way of their workers and stuff like that, just make it a little more difficult. But that's fine. That's something the cartel could deal with. That wasn't something that would really screw Marty um, because they had the law on their side at that point. You know, 
because she they basically own the land now and not her. She didn't own the land anymore. By the time she's throwing threats, she no longer owns the land. Because they showed the documents to the guy, her husband, before he killed her, before she killed him. They showed him the documents that said the U.S. government, once they flooded that land, the U.S. government now owns the land. And it's... And, and she has no leg to stand on to stop them from doing anything anymore. So they could both be dead and they could still do the casino. So, no. The only thing that freaked him out was she stopped the son and cut his hair. Like, that's, that's the thing that freaked Marty out. But it, had, it wouldn't have stopped the casino opening. The casino had already opened. And they had already done the breaking ground ceremony. Because they did that before she killed her husband. So there were things he could have done. He just, like you said, he just was just didn't feel like dealing with it. He was just like, whatever, here you go. And I, I thought that that was, that's a bridge too far for me. He didn't fight for that kid at all. So no, I don't forget. But I do like, um, yeah, I was kind of wondering as the, as the season started to taper down to the end and Marty was making his exit strategy, I'm like, Okay, so they're gonna go to Australia or something. Are they gonna, you know, season three? Is he gonna start money laundering from Australia? I was like, well, what are no, they gonna? No, he, his whole thing is he was out. That was the whole yeah, point. He... Yeah, and so I was like, okay, well, how are they gonna? Are are they? Are, is this it? Is there gonna be another season? And then, sure enough, now Wendy's in control. So nobody's leaving. Marty may still leave. Um, I don't think he's not gonna leave without his kids. Well, I mean, he sent them away the first time, um, the end of season one. Yeah, so, but that um, was for their safety, not for his own safety. Like, if he left now, it would just be for him. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, if well, I guess if they have a season three, do we know if they've been? If yeah, they've it's been, been renewed. Yeah, yes, they've been renewed, and so yeah. now they've got to deal with the Kansas City mob. We'll see yes, because they betrayed the can. That was how it ended with the Kansas City mob blowing up their office. Yeah. So, but I'm totally gonna watch. I'm excited. I mean, I want I want them to kill uh, the the Snapes, the Snips, the Snobs. What is their what are they called? Snells. The Snells. <laughs> I want her to be dead very very badly. So I'm at least gonna tune in for that. Well, yeah, Wendy's not gonna Wendy's gonna take her out like in a heartbeat. You know. Hopefully, yes. If you have any questions or comments, you can leave them at tvcampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can listen to us on getthepointradio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.